take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Tuesday, October 11th, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. And it's got to be just four weeks away until we legalize marijuana in five more states, add medical marijuana to three more states, improve medical marijuana in Montana, Boy, I'm so looking forward to Marijuana Election Night 2016, Tuesday, November 8th. We'll be live in Los Angeles at the Drug Policy Alliance Campaign Watch Party there at the Doubletree in downtown L.A. We'll be streaming live from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time, six hours, as we cover every time zone and the polls as they close from east to west. We'll have guests. We'll have celebrities. We'll have experts. We'll have all sorts of stuff for you on Marijuana Election Night 2016. You can turn tune in to CannabisRadio.com. This will be the only place you can catch our fantastic, exclusive live coverage of the most important marijuana election in our lifetime. Now, uh, aside from that, uh, how'd you spend your Columbus Day? <laughs> I had some fun yesterday, uh, although I don't like to call it Columbus Day. Uh, to me, it is uh, Indigenous Peoples Day. I refuse to celebrate a lost, raping, genocidal maniac like Christopher Columbus. But anyway, I had the day off and uh, I was continuing on my uh, uh, tweets and my comments on Instagram and Facebook uh, regarding Proposition 64 uh, in California. I've had a lot of the uh, haters of Prop 64 attacking me online. And this led to a long Twitter battle, I guess we could call it, uh, with Be Real of Cypress Hill, a.k.a. Dr. Green Thumb. And you can check my Radical Russ feed if you want to uh, see how that ran down. But I just want to squash the beef at this point uh, by issuing a apology to Be Real, not for disagreeing with him, not for thinking that he's wrong in his opposition of Prop 64, but it got a little heated. After we went round and round, back and forth, we started trading barbs and insults and, and, and veiled threats and stuff. And that's not the way this should go, and, and I, let it, I let my emotions get the better of me on that. And I, I want to make sure that as we discuss these uh, important initiatives, that I'm sticking to the facts, and I'm attacking the subject uh, and not the person. So my apologies, be real. Sorry to have gone a little over the line. But still, you should be supporting legalization. How much money have you made off of pot smokers? <laughs> anyway, on today's show, we've got great stuff for you in our Marijuana Election Night previews. Uh, at half past, we're going to be speaking with Carrie Boyder. She's a longtime marijuana activist. I got to know her when she was here in the Pacific Northwest. She's moved back to her native Billings, Montana, where she is running for the Montana House of Representatives. It'd be great to have one of our people in there in the Montana legislature, especially as they uh, recover from the devastation to their medical marijuana 
our program. We'll speak with uh, Kari right at uh, half past, so stay tuned for that. After that uh, interview, we'll be speaking with Dimitri Downing. He's in Phoenix, Arizona with the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo. Uh, I got to attend that, the first uh, edition of that last year. They're uh, embarking on their second edition this year. We'll find out the details on this weekend's event. Speaking of events, uh, coming up in our Behind the Headlines segment, I'll give you a preview of what's happening on Thursday and Friday in Vancouver, British Columbia. I'll be there at the International Cannabis Business Conference, streaming live on Thursday and Friday. Taking the train up tomorrow, so no live show on Wednesday. Also in Drug War Data Mining, we'll take a look at the DEA's Marijuana Eradication Program and how much money they're wasting. It all comes after the Cannabis Radio News. The headlines are next, right after this break, and in an hour or two, your calls in Toker Talk Radio. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants, healthy people. SansalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle naturally. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election year. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News, covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, October 11th, 2016. 
Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte invoked the Holocaust in calling for police extermination of drug users, and the United States will give them financial help to do so. Duterte promised during his campaign for president that he would grant immunity to the law enforcement and vigilante groups who murder drug users and sellers. He won election with less than 40% of the vote, thanks to opposition being divided among multiple candidates. The death toll has reached over 3,000, with another 600,000 who've surrendered themselves to crowded prisons to avoid being murdered. Quote, Hitler massacred 3 million Jews, Duterte said, underestimating by half. Now there's 3 million drug addicts. I'd be happy to slaughter them. End quote to quote, finish the problem of my country and save the next generation from perdition. End quote. Despite this direct call for genocide, the Obama administration has pledged $32 million in aid this year for Philippine law enforcement activities. The new Ohio Medical Marijuana Advisory Committee will include two members of a group that fought legalization, raising concerns among advocates about whether the panel will be stacked against them. The 14-member panel's roster was set with final appointments this week. Its first meeting must be held within a month. Republican House Speaker Cliff Rosenberger named Marcy Seidel, executive director of the Drug-Free Action Alliance, as one of his two appointees on Thursday. The assistant director at the alliance, Tony Coder, was named to the committee by Republican Governor John Kasich. Seidel and Coder are designated to represent people involved in mental health treatment and alcohol and drug addiction treatment, respectively. Coder said he has spent 13 years and Seidel has spent 18 years in substance abuse prevention, which includes promotion of mental health wellness. He said they both intend to respect that medical marijuana is now law in Ohio. Libertarian presidential candidate and former New Mexico governor Gary Johnson says he forgives a former public safety secretary who resigned over Johnson's stance on legalizing marijuana. That former secretary, Darren White, now is CEO and security director of one of the state's new medical marijuana producers. Johnson told the Associated Press on Monday that everyone makes mistakes, but he is happy that White has come around and endorsed the legalization of marijuana. White stepped down as Johnson's secretary of the New Mexico Department of Public Safety in 1999 because he publicly disagreed with then-Governor Gary Johnson's stand on legalizing marijuana. He later became a two-term Bernalillo County sheriff. Today, White says he uses marijuana due to chronic back pain. He endorsed Johnson for president in July. The Kansas Attorney General says marijuana from Colorado is, quote, permeating, end quote, every part of Kansas. Attorney General Derek Schmidt said in a news release Monday that he got that information from 320 law enforcement agencies and 70 prosecutors' offices that responded to a survey. Schmidt says Colorado's decision to legalize marijuana has led to high-grade marijuana from that state, largely replacing lower-grade marijuana from Mexico and homegrown marijuana in Kansas. And he says the study by his office found a, quote, significant rise, end quote, in marijuana edibles, waxes, and oils coming from Colorado into Kansas. Schmidt also criticized the federal government for not keeping promises to help prevent Colorado marijuana from moving into nearby states. The 57,000 unionized workers in Nevada's culinary Local 226 have announced their endorsement of Question 2, the ballot measure to legalize marijuana. 
The endorsement from the state's largest labor union has given a big boost to the measure. In September, KTNV Rasmussen Reports poll showed 53% support versus 39% opposition, up from 50 to 41 back in July. Suffolk University's September poll put the measure at 57 to 33 in support. But a poll last week from the Las Vegas Review-Journal placed the measure at a 47 to 46 statistical tie. However, that paper has been purchased by a casino billionaire, Sheldon Adelson, who has donated millions to oppose marijuana reforms nationwide. Following the purchase, the paper's editorial board reversed their standing endorsement of marijuana legalization and called for the defeat of Question 2. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, October 11th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Our daughter Rebecca could have a seizure at any given time that could take her life. When you have 200 seizures a day, she gets so scared. I've learned a lot about the benefits of medical marijuana in the treatment of intractable epilepsy in children. We feel her saying to us, Mom, Dad, help me. when is this going to stop? Why don't you, my parents who love me, do something? And we can't. Please help us help our daughter. Our daughter Rebecca needs all options for medical marijuana, so please vote yes on Amendment 2. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Marijuana legalization is a worldwide phenomenon. Get yourself positioned for the global cannabis marketplace by attending the International Cannabis Business Conference in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You'll learn from established cannabis professionals, elected officials, and internationally recognized marijuana law reform activists. You'll also enjoy the ICBC's famous VIP party featuring ICBC special guest speaker and Canadian native Tommy Chong. The ICBC is happening in Vancouver on Thursday and Friday, October 13th and 14th at the Hyatt Regency. Log on to internationalcbc.com today to reserve your tickets. That's internationalcbc.com and bookmark our page for the next ICBCs taking place in Berlin, Germany and San Francisco, California. Don't miss the International Cannabis Business Conference, internationalcbc.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our cannabis focus. 
Today in the Cannabis Focus, we take a look at the upcoming uh, International Cannabis Business Conference taking place Thursday and Friday in Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, we will be at the Hyatt Regency Hotel in downtown Vancouver. They're expecting 650 or more to be attending this event. Now, I've covered the International Cannabis Business Conference in all its iterations uh, in Portland and San Francisco. This is its first foray into becoming international by moving into Canada. And plans are in effect to bring the conference to Berlin, Germany, to Australia, and to Croatia. So this will uh, morph into a truly international conference. Now, one of the things that's uh, uh, notable about this conference is how it is, uh, how it is organized by Alex Rogers. Alex uh, has been a longtime cannabis activist. He goes back to being a musician and performer and was strongly into the uh, reggae culture where he takes some spiritual significance to cannabis, uh, ganja, as well as the commercial and personal uh, rights that we should have to use this plant. And because of that, I believe the ICBC, compared to any of these other business conferences, and, and there's a ton of them. I mean, Vancouver's recently had the Cannabis Hemp Conference, the Cannabis Business Week, the Lyft Cannabis Expo. But what makes ICBC different is Alex's focus on making sure the business side of cannabis understands the cultural side of marijuana and understands that this is more than just a commodity to be bought and sold and marked up and profited from, but it's also something that has spiritual significance, medical significance, industrial significance, and that many people uh, treat this plant and treat this commodity with a, a reverence and respect that they wouldn't for, say, soft drinks or, or hamburgers. And because of that, the focus of the International Cannabis Business Conference often comes back to activism and often comes back to telling these entrepreneurs and investors that without their continued contribution to the reform efforts in other states, they can't possibly grow their market much bigger than the state they are in. And I always appreciate that about ICBC. Now, as far as the event itself, a two-day event, Thursday and Friday, will be featuring some fantastic speakers. On Thursday, you'll get to hear from Gabor Mate, who is a major uh, physician uh, on the science of addiction. He's based in Vancouver, B.C., Kirk Tussaw will also be speaking. He's a Canadian lawyer who's uh, argued before their highest court and uh, has a wealth of knowledge about uh, Canadian law with respect to uh, Health Canada and their medical marijuana program. And of course, uh, Tommy Chong will sit down for a live interview with celeb stoners uh, Steve Bloom. And uh, Tommy is a native of Vancouver, British Columbia, so it'll be interesting to hear his take on how legalization has progressed and how things are different in Vancouver from the days when he was growing up there. Also on Friday, we'll have another keynote speaker, and that will be Brendan Kennedy, the CEO of Privateer Holdings. Uh, they're the major company that is involved with uh, the Marley Natural brand. Also, one of their subsidiaries called Tilray is a federally licensed cannabis production facility on Vancouver Island. They're the first Canadian company to legally export medical marijuana overseas. So it'll be interesting to get uh, Brendan's perspective on how the international market is beginning to take shape. 
Also, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja, will be there for questions and answers and autographs of his latest books. And Gail Bielam will be emceeing uh, the cannabis comedian from the uh, Sacramento area who's a well-known fixture in the West Coast marijuana activism circles. Jamie Shaw will be there, a cannabis dispensary and industry expert in uh Vancouver. Rocker T will be performing at the ICBC after party if you're into some quality grassroots reggae music. And plenty more. Philippe Lucas, uh, who's been a longtime uh, advocate in Vancouver, he is now uh, the patient advocate at Tilray, will be speaking. Jody Emery, the uh, Princess of Pot, uh, wife of Mark Emery and uh, the business owner of Cannabis Culture, very popular in Canada. She'll be speaking. Dana Larson, another great activist, will be there as well. Aaron Smith from the National Cannabis Industries Association and plenty more. It's the ICBC. You can find out. All we want to do is pop you up. As I was saying, you can find out more at internationalcbc.com. Tickets are still available online if you'd like to attend. We'll be streaming live on Thursday and Friday, regular time, 3 to 5 Pacific, from the International Cannabis Business Conference. we got to take a break. And when we come back, we take a look at the DEA's Marijuana Eradication Program. Maui Waui, Acapulco Gold, California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. Hey, this is Tommy Chong. This is Ray Dawn on the other mic. Yes, the eldest. Was and awesome. we saw, it was called uh, Dying to Know. It's a love story between Ram Dass and Tim Leary. Yeah, the gay Jew and Tim. <laughs> but he wasn't gay when he was a professor. He didn't know. That must have been a shock to his wife. The one time he, like, met a vagina. (laughs) (laughs) The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, SoundCloud, Snapchat, LinkedIn, and Boise State University's 2400 baud modem bulletin board system from 1985. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. 
Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Data Mines, we take a look at an article posted by Christopher Ingram at the Washington Post regarding the DEA's Marijuana Eradication Program. It's, of course, our federal program that uh, sends cops out in helicopters looking for weed and ripping it up. And this is the federal program, not the programs that are undertaken by many of the states. Of course, we just had that story that came out uh, last week about uh, Massachusetts National Guard and state cops uh, eradicating a single cannabis plant from an 81-year-old woman's garden. So in addition to the federal eradication, we also have these idiotic state eradication programs. But uh, Ingraham writes about the uh, federal program, the DEA's program, which costs us taxpayers $14 million a year to go rip up cannabis plants. And they give these grants in to different states for their eradication programs. And the story here in the Post is taking a look at some of the costs and some of the results that we've gotten for our taxpayer investment of $14 million a year. In 2015, DEA gave $20,000 to New Hampshire to eradicate cannabis. And the New Hampshire law enforcement agencies were able to find one grow, one grow that had 27 plants. Pull out your calculator, do a little math, 20,000 divided by 27 tells you that each cannabis plant costs $740.74 to uproot in New Hampshire. So that's, uh, that's pretty costly, but not as bad as some of the other states. The state of Utah received $73,000 in marijuana eradication funds for 2015, and they found nothing. $73,000 went to Utah law enforcement to find zero cannabis plants. $73,000 just thrown away. Now, there are calls on Capitol Hill to take a look at this budget and perhaps eliminate it from the DEA. Twelve members of Congress have been pushing for this to take that $14 million, redirect it from weeding to funding domestic violence prevention or deficit reduction programs. Seems like a better use of $73,000 than not getting any plants in Utah, doesn't it? $14 million a year we could be putting toward funding domestic violence prevention. Now, the DEA's purpose in this $14 million budget is to, quote, halt the spread of cannabis cultivation in the United States, end quote. Well, so far, no good. (laughs) So far, you've done a terrible job of eliminating and halting the spread of cannabis cultivation in the United States. We already have four states that have legalized it, 25 states that have recognized its medical use. And after this election, we're going to have 30 medical states. Eh, 29. We're going to have 29 medical states. 28. Sorry, Montana's already counted. 28 medical states and nine legal states. So... Obviously, the money is not working 
the weeding is not working. Most of the focus of this eradication program, of course, happens in California. Agents there pulled up 2.6 million marijuana plants in 2015. They seized 1,600 weapons while they did so. Of the $14 million spent from marijuana eradication, well, over a third of it, 5.4 million, was spent in the state of California. The next uh, highest was Kentucky at $1.9 million, 570,000 plants. And uh, this is where they put most of their focus, is on these high-production states. The DEA's budget for this has shrunk. It's gone down uh, from $18 million in 2014 to $14 million now. And some states, like Alaska, Colorado, and Vermont, aren't getting any funds anymore. Now, this also takes us to Proposition 64 that's on the ballot in California and how the legalization in California is going to significantly eradicate or significantly affect the eradication budget of the DEA. And this is why passage of Prop 64 is so important because California is such a large consideration for the federal government due to its size, its economy, its population, its number of electoral votes, its number of representatives in Congress, that whatever happens in California casts significant ripples throughout policy decisions in every other state and at the federal level. Taking California off the board when it comes to the drug war with respect to eradication efforts and raids and stings and all of that, begins to unravel the federal government's entire drug war. It is marijuana and marijuana consumers that provide the grist for the drug war mill. There's not enough of the hard drug users, and they're much harder to catch because their drug doesn't smell so much and take up so much room and so forth, that with only the hard drug users to go after, the war on drugs isn't worth the cost. So by legalizing marijuana, taking marijuana out of the drug war, we take most of the energy out of the drug war. And getting marijuana out of the drug war can't happen until we legalize it state by state. And legalizing it in California will provide the impetus that starts to topple the dominoes much more quickly in the rest of the states. It's not just about whether or not you can buy a legal bag of weed. It's what happens for the entire world when it comes to all drug prohibition. That's how important Prop 64 is. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, Carrie Boyder in Montana running for the House right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. 
So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's orders. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. I was a Boston PD cop, and now as a professor, I believe yes on four is a smart choice to protect families. Let me explain. Question four requires strict product labeling and childproof packaging and bans advertising directed at kids. And question four bans consuming marijuana in public. It will tax and regulate marijuana for adults 21 and over, bringing millions in revenue for schools or law enforcement. Vote yes on four. Smart regulations protecting families. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Your grapefruits are no match for my Trump Towers. Okay, maybe you're high too. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis business boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis business needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. Activism begins with ACT. The Russ Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. Welcome back, everybody. We've got uh, 32 after the hour here at our studios in beautiful Legal Potland, Oregon. And joining us by telephone, we go out to Big Sky Country where Carrie Boyder is waiting on the phone. How you doing, Carrie? Awesome. How are you, Russ? I'm fantastic. And uh, we are so excited to be able to uh, talk to you today and to preview uh, the marijuana election night because you are running for office in Montana, the Montana House District 44. And we've always said it's important that our people, activist people, people who know the truth about cannabis, run for office and get elected. So uh, tell us about this campaign and uh, what prompted you to want to run for the House? So I'm running in a very competitive district in Billings, Montana. It's the largest city in the state of Montana. And my opponent is the incumbent, but he just so happens to be former law enforcement, uh, you know, part of the whole staunch prohibition regime. So um, I decided to run for office because I felt like the Heights in particular wasn't getting very good representation from this representative. And he was a little bit out of touch with the way the rest of Montanans feel. So decided to step up and uh, go ahead and throw my hat in the ring and give people an alternative so that they'd have a choice in the matter. That's fantastic. And and being in Billings, uh, largest city there in Montana, I'm originally from Idaho and the Boise area, largest city in Boise. And, and I found that uh, while the state of Idaho is generally very, very conservative, at least in Boise, there was somewhat more of a progressive uh, audience to speak to. Is that a similar dynamic in Billings compared to the rest of the state? 
I would say that Billings is very similar to Idaho. Um, it's, you know, somewhat conservative, but there is, you know, a great group of folks who are bringing arts, culture, music, uh, you know, wonderful things like that to the city. And it's growing and, you know, wonderful things are happening here. And so it's really relying on people like us to help shift it a little bit farther forward and help bring it to the beautiful city that it can be. Um, and so that's really what this is about is, standing up and helping make the community a better place. And, you know, um, regardless of whether, you know, people are conservative or liberal or where they fall on the political spectrum, what I find here is that, you know, there aren't a lot of average citizens being well represented. It's a lot of special interests and big money, as is usual, on all levels of politics. And so, you know, I'm just out to help make sure everybody's voice is amplified and that nobody's being silenced simply because they don't have, you know, the connections or the money to have an influence in politics. Hmm. Very well put. Now, uh, Carrie, you mentioned that your opponent, uh, the incumbent, uh, I assume a Republican. Am I right there? Yes. Okay. So uh, your, your Republican opponent, the incumbent, uh, comes from a law enforcement background. I and the audience, of course, know you from the Pacific Northwest, all the, all the work you did with the uh, medical marijuana community, Americans for Safe Access, and so forth. Uh, has your opponent made your drug war activism an issue in this election? My opponent hasn't made much of anything an issue in this election. Uh, you know, I'm really starting to wonder whether he wants to be reelected at all. We had a questionnaire put out by our local newspaper that he didn't even bother to fill out. He has not knocked on any doors at all. Um, I've knocked on 3,500 doors and talked to, you know, thousands of voters thus far. And, you know, he really hasn't even been raising money. Um, in the last three months, he actually only raised $720, which for a Republican candidate is kind of unheard of. So, you know, I think he's just taking it all for granted and assuming that he's going to get a win, one, because he's an incumbent, and two, because it's a Republican-leaning district. But, you know, it may be leaning that way, uh, but I've found from the voters that I've talked to that they're ready for a change, that they're ready for some bold new leadership to step up. And so... It's really going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, you know, if if he wins without having put in any effort whatsoever, um, you know, it must say a lot about the views of that district. Has has he been an incumbent for a long time and, and perhaps run unopposed in previous elections? He's a one term incumbent and he won the election in the last uh, the last time around uh with $16,000 in his campaign war chest if you will and $4,000 of that came from his own pocket so it's entirely possible that in this last 29 days of the election, he will step up and put forth some of his own uh, political capital and financial capital to win this race. But thus far, we haven't seen any sort of mail from him. We haven't seen any sort of effort knocking the doors. Um, you know, all the traditional things that you'd see in a campaign, he has not done at all. And it's getting to, you know, the clock's ticking. Um It'll be interesting to see whether he even does anything at all. I think it's really just kind of representative of the whole attitude of the Republican Party in general, which is we can do this. We've got the connections. We've got the money. It doesn't matter how much you try. We're going to take this home anyway. And, you know, I, I think we're really going to see a shift in the politics here in Montana. 
Gosh, let's hope so. We're speaking with Carrie Boyder, a longtime reform activist who's running for Montana's uh, District 44 House seat as a Democrat against a Republican incumbent uh, with a law enforcement background. And of course, uh, the other news, the other election that we're covering there in Montana is that Initiative 182 to restore Montana's medical marijuana program to its previous uh, operational status to legalize dispensaries and such. Uh, is that becoming a, a focus of this election? And does it uh, factor much into your campaign? It's definitely a focus. Um, and I think it does factor in, you know, again, from talking to voters, I've heard people mention it. And, you know, while there's been maybe one person who has said because of my medical marijuana activism, they're not voting for me. And they outwardly said that I've had many, many people bring up the medical marijuana issue and ask whether I support it and tell me stories of people that they know or themselves who have been helped by this. And so, you know, what's interesting about Billings is that the sole opposition to our medical marijuana program really lies here in this town. The Republican Party chair, Jeff Estman, who helped pave the way for the repeal of our law, um, is from here in Billings. And then Steve Zabawa, who has funded the, you know, he funded the initiative to try to repeal the law altogether um, and lost. And so now he's the sole opposition to our um, medical marijuana initiative that would restore our former provisions. And he's spent another, I think, $125,000 of his own money on you know, anti-marijuana opposition, and he's a used car salesman who most people surmise has some sort of a stake in the pharmaceutical industry based on the answers he gives when he's opposing this. He's like our Kevin Sabbath here in <laughs> Montana. Um, and so, yeah, here in Billings, this is the hotbed for this discussion. And if so, if someone like me can win a district in the Heights that's Republican-leaning, and across the street, my fellow colleague who's running for office actually um, owns a chain of medical marijuana clinics. Um, if we can win those two districts in the Heights, we represent 20,000 people between us. And I think that says a lot about whether or not people really agree with Steve Zabawa or not, because that's a fifth of the population of Billings right there. Mm, wow. Let's hope that happens. We could see a lot of change with just a, a couple of uh, elections right there. And uh, Carrie, if people listening uh, want to help you out or get more information, I, I know campaigns cost money and you could use donations. What are some of the links they could check out? So I have a website, carryboyder.com, and there's a big contribute button right there in the center where you can contribute to my campaign financially. Um, I can also use volunteers to help make phone calls. That can happen from anywhere in the country, even if you're not here in Billings. Um, simple things like sharing the word online, you know, sharing my Facebook, retweeting my tweets on Twitter. Um, Alex Carrie Boyder is my Twitter handle and Friends of Carrie Boyder is my Facebook page. Um, that goes a long way towards helping as well. Um, you can also endorse my campaign. Um, for folks who are here in Billings, I'm having a really fun um, event here coming up on Sunday. It's actually a prohibition party, you know, reaching to my roots and the work I've done to end prohibition. Um, we're going to have a Roaring Twenties live jazz music. It's going to be a great time. So if people are interested in that, there's a Facebook event, and all of that information is on my Facebook page as well. Well, that's fantastic. Well, uh, check out Elect Carrie Boyder on Twitter, and Carrie Boyder is K-A-R-I-B-O-I-T. 
T-E-R, just to make sure that you can find it. Uh, in the last couple of minutes we've got here, Carrie, I know that uh, politics there has got to be about more than just marijuana. What are some of the other issues you want to bring uh, focus to if you're elected to the House? So there's really three big things for me. One is economic security. Almost everyone I know is working two, maybe three jobs, and they're all struggling to make ends meet. We don't have livable wages here. People make seven, eight bucks an hour. McDonald's pays 10 bucks an hour. And we have our skilled workforce leaving those jobs to go work at McDonald's because they pay more at $10 an hour. Mm. So that has got to change. Um, you know, things like building stronger communities, um, early childhood education. We're one of the few states that does not have preschool for all children provided. Um, that's something that I'm passionate about. You know, obviously reinvesting funds from mass incarceration into uh, community mental health outcomes, treatment for substance abuse for those individuals who actually want that and can benefit from that. Um, we have a private prison up in Shelby, and it's got a 20-year contract that's coming up and will be discussed for the first time in the 2017 legislature. Um, that's an issue I'm very passionate about. Um, and then the other big one here is what makes Montana great, and much like Idaho, is some of our beautiful scenic places that we have. You know, for all the things that people could say about the politics or, you know, some of the things like that, we live in some of the most beautiful country in America, honestly. And a lot of that is because of the federal lands that exist, uh, public lands, our wilderness areas, things like that. And so there's actually a push by the National Republican Party to transfer federal lands to state control. And, you know, people think, well, that sounds like a good idea, less federal government. And generally, I would agree. But what will happen is that the states don't have the budget that the federal government mm -hmm. does. And we won't be able to afford to take care of those lands. So they're either going to fall into disrepair or we're going to have to sell them. And when we sell them, there are all sorts of very fancy, very rich folks who are going to snap them up like that. And people like me who grew up here hiking and camping and fishing in this wilderness area won't be able to access it anymore. And, you know, that's a real assault to the Montana values and our way of life. And that's something I'm definitely going to stand up and fight and work to keep from happening. Well, best of luck to you in the election. We'll be covering it live Tuesday, November 8th, and uh, we'll get uh, the take from your campaign headquarters as well. Carrie Boyder's running for Montana House District 44. Check her out, Carrie Boyder online. Elect Carrie Boyder on Twitter. Carrie, thanks, and uh, good luck to you. Thanks so much, Russ. All right. Stay tuned, folks. We got another interview coming up here. We're going to speak with Dimitri Downing from the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Uber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Uber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Uber way. It's time to have resents. 
I say to you with all the fervor of my soul that God intended men to be free. Rebellion against tyranny is a righteous cause. And I believe that with every ounce of my soul, we are fighting a righteous cause because people need nature. Marijuana! Hem presents only on Cannabis Radio. Sweet Sativa! The Russ Belleville Show. We're as much like Cheech and Chong as ordinary Americans are like the Three Stooges. Hey, Mo! Marijuana legalization is a worldwide phenomenon. Get yourself positioned for the global cannabis marketplace by attending the International Cannabis Business Conference in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You'll learn from established cannabis professionals, elected officials, and internationally recognized marijuana law reform activists. You'll also enjoy the ICBC's famous VIP party featuring ICBC special guest speaker and Canadian native Tommy Chong. The ICBC is happening in Vancouver on Thursday and Friday, October 13th and 14th at the Hyatt Regency. Log on to internationalcbc.com today to reserve your tickets. That's internationalcbc.com and bookmark our page for the next ICBCs taking place in Berlin, Germany and San Francisco, California. Don't miss the International Cannabis Business Conference, internationalcbc.com. Twain once said that when there's a gold rush, it's a good time to be in the pick and shovel business. Today, we look at the rapidly evolving markets in the marijuana green rush in our Cannabis Chronicles. Welcome back, everybody. Today in the Cannabis Chronicles, we go down to Phoenix, Arizona, where this weekend we've got the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo taking place, the second iteration of this event in Phoenix. And joining us to talk about it is Dimitri Downing. Dimitri, welcome to the show. Hello, Dimitri, do we have you? Okay, we're uh, somehow missing Dimitri on the line. Don't know if he can hear me or not. Let's try this again. Dimitri, are you there? Okay, I'm afraid we're unable to get Dimitri on the line. Uh, It looked like he was there, but it doesn't appear that uh, he can hear me or that it's working. But the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo will be taking place at the uh, Phoenix Convention Center this uh, Friday and Saturday. SWCCExpo.com is where you can go if you'd like to learn more about that. In the meantime, we will continue our preview of Marijuana Election Night uh, by replaying an interview with Ellen Comp from California Normal telling us about the local initiatives that will be on the ballot this November. You're listening to Cannabis Radio News' exclusive coverage of Vote 2016, the path to cannabis freedom, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 32 after the hour. And for our marijuana election night coverage, we've got a special guest joining us from California Normal. It's Ellen Comp on the line. Ellen, how are you doing? 
Great, Russ. How are you? I'm fantastic. So glad to have you here. And of course, everybody is looking at California as the big prize. Prop 64 is on the ballot to legalize. It's getting a lot of national attention, but kind of falling under the radar on the national scene is just how much there is being voted on on marijuana in California at the local level. And I was hoping maybe you could run that down for us and maybe give us some highlights. Sure. Well, um, according to the Orange County Register, there are 62 local ballot measures in 25 counties. Uh, I'm I'm up to verifying 52 of them in 23 counties, I think. Um, they're all over the place and they're all over the map. Um, some are taxing retail, some are taxing cultivation, some both. Some are taxing medical, some recreational, some both, some of them at different rates. Um, unlike Colorado's Measure 64, um, there's no cap in AMA. Prop 64 in California on what locals can tax. In, in Colorado, it's 3%. And the reform CA measure that Cal Normal participated in writing in capped it at 5%. But um, it's a going to be a free-for-all, I guess, if the passes in November. And um, we've seen in the past that whenever a taxation measure is on a local ballot, it's pretty much got a 100% chance of carrying it. Even even in places that didn't vote for Prop 19 in, in 2010, they didn't want to legalize it, but they wanted to tax it mm-hmm. if it was legal. So um, we're actually concerned in a few places, at least, where um, it seems like uh, taxation could, uh, you know, kill the golden ganja goose, right? Like Santa Barbara, for example, is recommending a 20% tax. Now, this is going to be on top of the 15% tax that's in AMA. Mm-hmm. at the state level, plus a $9.25 tax per ounce, um, on, and on top of the state sales tax, which is um, 7% or more, depending on the jurisdiction. Now, sure. medical marijuana patients would be exempt from uh, the state or the sales tax if they um, are, maybe if they just have a card, uh, you know, an ID card, which is uh, voluntary at this point. We're going to hope to push for um, more tax relief for medical marijuana patients, at least. And eventually, we think it'll shake out that um, places that are putting too high taxes. I mean, one place wants to put a $50 per square foot tax, and they they said it was they wanted it to be prohibitive. Yeah. Um, Humboldt County and Lake County are uh, looking for a one to three dollar per square foot tax, depending if it's indoor, outdoor, or mixed light. Um, and that's, you know, obviously a lot more reasonable and welcoming <laughs> to cannabis businesses. So um, it's it's really crazy. Some places have uh, two or three measures on the ballot, you know, a couple by voter initiative, like say in Long Beach. Um, and then then the city councils can put a, a tax measure on the ballot, too. They can't tax without a vote. Um, so if they want to tax, they're going to have to take it to the voters. And so. Um, voters in a lot of these places are going to have to decide, uh, you know, whether they want legalization, in, you know, to be in effect in their city. And, and if so, if they want to tax it in at what rate. You know, uh, it's interesting, uh, Oregon here, where I'm calling you from, we also have that uh, mm-hmm. limit of 3% that you can uh, apply as a local tax. And in Oregon, and, and now, you know, I'm covering Massachusetts as well, and their initiative has a, a very low tax rate. And a lot of these people are saying, a lot of these uh, analysts are saying, we got to keep the tax rate somewhat low, or else you 
you defeat the purpose of legalization. The, 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 the unregulated market sales can continue and undercut those taxes. Uh, is that uh, exactly is, are these are these locals, you know, they're doing this, these taxations, it sounds like as a, a way to basically kind of dissuade cannabis businesses from establishing themselves there and cannabis sales to happen. But do they note these unintended consequences? Um, it's only been in a couple of cases where they're actually punitive. They're, they, they, a lot of people seem to think there's sort of an unlimited amount of, you know, profit in, in marijuana. And, and, of course, it's not really the case. Um, some have estimated the sweet spot for taxation might be around 25%. And already, Alma pretty much has been a tax at that level. So if you start adding, you know, 20% or something, you're getting upwards to, you know, 45% taxation. I mean, that obviously is going to fuel a black market, we think. Yeah. And it, it will defeat the purpose of legalization. And you'll just getting the same people arrested for participating in the black market, which we want to end, and et cetera. Uh, as well as, you know, the other public safety, environmental issues and everything, you know, because, yeah, you know, now we're going to also have we have a whole regulation uh, layer coming on top, which I'm sure, you know, the other states have seen as well. I'm on my way into a, a California Department of Agriculture meeting about medical marijuana cultivation. Um, the state water board is also holding hearings around the state, as is the Department of Public Health, who's got purview over the um you know, dispensaries and packaging and testing labs and things like that. So all of these are going to have licensing fees, you know, on top of the taxes as well. Yeah. There's going to be a lot to have to deal with. You know, and this is, I I, I find, you know, no initiative out there for legalization of marijuana has ever passed my muster, but my muster is legal for everyone 18 and older and you get a free pound on your birthday. Uh, so there's always, <laughs> there's always a problem with some initiative. To me, the, the problem with Prop 64 is that taxation part. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed in establishing a tax that has to be paid by uh, medical cannabis patients. And one of the things we learned here in Oregon when we passed our Measure 91 is we had we had uh, attached to it a harvest tax, a per ounce tax that we later analyzed and realized, well, wait a minute, as the price of weed falls, that tax becomes bigger and bigger in relation to what you're harvesting. Uh, how, how are these right. lessons not picked up uh, in Prop 64? And assuming it passes, how can we go about fixing these problems? Well, I think, you know... Regulation is going to be costly, and so there was, you know, there were taxes put in there to help with it. The good news is that Prop 64 allows for um, certain sections of it, including the taxation section, to be amended by a simple majority in the legislature, which, you know, we have a fairly liberal legislature. Um, And so they can be adjusted and I think um, that they will be. I think it'll be hard, though, for the legislature to adjust local taxes because there's a lot of pressure in Sacramento for local control and local, you know, to let the locals do whatever they want. And so after the fact, I think it's going to be pretty hard to put that genie back in the bottle, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think the market forces will help because people simply won't um, set up cannabis businesses in places where the prohibit, you know, the taxation is too prohibitive. And, um, you know, that's too bad for the patients who live there, of course, and the, and the other people who live there. So, um, you know, if we open up the recreational market, that could be a boon. Uh, you know, I still hear from a lot of people who want to come to California and try medical marijuana, and they can't unless they have a doctor's recommendation. We don't have any reciprocity, even with any other state's medical programs here in California, because 
we were the first to pass it, and we didn't really think that far ahead, I guess. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Because uh, that was 1996, so 20 years ago. Yeah, there weren't all these other states with medical programs as well. Um, so I, uh, there's going to be a lot of shaking out. We're going to have to work really hard to keep up the small players. All right, that's uh, a replay of our interview with Ellen Comp from California Normal, discussing some of the local ballot initiatives and these cities and counties that are already preemptively overtaxing recreational marijuana in anticipation of Prop 64. There's going to be a whole lot to work out after Prop 64 gets passed. And we're going to talk about Prop 64 come up here in this second hour because I've been going round and round with people since last week on some of the myths being used to scare people into voting to maintain their own marijuana criminality. That's coming up in the next hour, Toker Talk Radio, and the phone lines are open at 650-LEGAL-MJ. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, take care of each other, Tokers! This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Now it's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can tow. I am here. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Poplin, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Ganja Graphics, the sultan of Sativa Statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome, everybody. It's time for Toker Talk Radio. Phone lines are open at 650-LEGAL-MJ. We've got comments, concerns, questions, critiques, subjects, topics, anything you want to talk about. We are here to bring you the best in marijuana reform analysis, news, and opinion. 
So glad to have you here. We're going to spend a lot of time in this hour debunking some of the myths about uh, California's Prop 64. But before we dive into that, I want to go off the warpath for just a second. Every now and then I go off the drug warpath and talk about other politics, and I just can't let it pass without talking about Donald Trump last week. Oh, my God, what a week that man had. Uh, First, uh, being exposed for a 900 and some odd million dollar uh, carryover loss that means he hasn't paid taxes for over a decade, almost two. Uh, But the big story, of course, was the tape that got released uh, from the Access Hollywood where in discussing... um, Uh, on an open mic with Billy Bush discussing uh, beautiful women and how he uh, assaults them. (laughs) He grabs them by the pussy, he said. And uh, this has been, he's been trying to dismiss this as locker room talk, right? Ah, it's just locker room talk. And I think too many people, especially when the news first broke, uh, framed this story as bad language, as dirty talk, right? As, As locker room talk. Folks, the the problem with what he said wasn't the word pussy. The problem with what he said was the word grab. That's sexual assault we're talking about here. And he admitted as much uh, when confronted about it. (laughs) So, man, I just can't even fathom the idea that people would support this man uh, to become president of the United States. It's just unbelievable. But on the other side... On the other side of this, of course, while the the media has been freaking out about, uh, you know, the uh, lewd comments on the other side, you got Hillary Clinton and some WikiLeaks recently showing uh, emails and uh, transcripts from her Wall Street speeches, particularly and how she was telling uh, people in big business, big finance, that she would oppose every effort at reforming marijuana laws. A question was framed in the sense of would you go long or go short, uh, referring to how you sell stocks. And and, uh, short means that you're betting against something. Uh, And so, uh, yeah, she said she would go short in every way on uh, marijuana reforms. So we're kind of in a dilemma, aren't we, as far as, well, gee, it doesn't look like either of these two major party candidates is serious about the marijuana reform issue. Of course, you got uh, Jill Stein and Gary Johnson, who are fully in support of legalization, but unlikely to win any sort of office to do anything about it. But, you know, uh, the other thing that I also wanted to bring up as well was how uh, in the coverage of this Donald Trump thing, uh, this uh, the remarks that he made, it's quite telling how the Republicans and the media have kind of let him skate. It's not it's not as if this comment was shocking in the sense that you were surprised it came out of his mouth. Right. This guy's been running for president for over a year and is called Mexicans rapists and impugned the integrity of a gold star family and called for the shutdown of Muslims at the border and, you know, various racist and xenophobic, uh, making fun of a disabled guy. It's just interesting to me that none of those lines being crossed was a problem for anybody. But as soon as he starts talking about assaulting a white woman, oh no, oh now he's gone beyond the pale. Kind of an interesting uh, look at how we uh, frame things here here in America, right? All lives matter, but uh, the white women matter the most, I guess. Anyway, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, uh, debunking some of the popular myths about Prop 64 in California. 
This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Good to everybody. Radical Russ here in Aspen, Colorado at the Alaska Northwest Cannabis Classic at the 26th Annual Boston Freedom Rally at the High Times Cannabis Cup Northern California. Day one of Canacon in Seattle, Washington. It's the Russ Belleville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Hello, Mr. Man. Hi. I'm doing... I'm, I'm working. I'm sorry. No food till this is done. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody. And uh, before we dive into the Prop 64 stuff, I'll remind you, phone line is 650-LEGAL-MJ. And uh, from our chat room, uh, Michael brings up the good point. You know, he's making the uh, comment about... Uh, White women and how uh, how nobody was uh, nobody on the Republican side, at least, was really shocked about Trump until he started insulting a white woman. Right. Insult the Mexicans, the Muslims, the blacks, the gays, the disabled. It didn't really matter. Right. So from our chat room, uh, Michael brings up the point that, uh, yeah, white women, unless they have been assaulted by Bill Clinton. And that brings up, you know, Trump bringing the uh, Juanita Broderick and, and uh, Paula Jones and all these, uh, these women who've accused uh, Bill Clinton of uh, sexual improprieties, uh, assaults, rapes uh, in the past to the debate to try to unnerve Hillary and, and create a big firestorm of controversy, a big show about the thing. And uh, I think there's two separate things to unpack on that. One is the fact that he did such a classless thing. Trump did a classless thing and tried to, you know, psychologically intimidate his opponent and dredge up all this uh, sexual assault stuff as a, as a defense to Trump uh, uh, using women, right? So it's like, once again, he's using women to defend himself from using women. So that's, that's one point. But in, in no way do I want to dismiss 
the allegations against Bill Clinton and uh, these uh, these women and what they claimed to have experienced, both from Bill in the sexual assault uh, area and in Hillary from the intimidation to not report it or or to cover it up. Uh, I don't want to dismiss that at all. I think uh, women that make claims of sexual assault and rape need to be taken seriously, just like Hillary said in one of her tweets, and need to be heard. That said, uh, we are talking about the candidate's husband who did things in the 90s, right? And that, to me, doesn't entirely uh, uh, indict Hillary Clinton to the level that Trump's own words and actions indict him. And, and, and regardless of all this discussion that we could have, because, I mean, I, can, I could come up with a huge list of, of terrible things about Hillary Clinton that I don't like. Even if we to are, are to presume that both Clinton and Trump are equally banal, malevolent, evil, whatever you want to call it, I think I got to break the tie for Clinton in a number of ways. Number one, she's competent. <laughs> she's actually competent. She actually knows what she's doing, knows what's going on. I may not agree with her choices, but she makes them from an informed position. Trump does everything. He's, he's a George W. Bush guy. Do it from the gut without much knowledge whatsoever or curiosity for that matter. And number two, I have to give the tie to Clinton based on who else she would appoint in the executive branch and the judicial branch and how they might affect policies moving forward, especially marijuana policies. And third, I break the tie for Clinton based on their supporters. I don't fear Hillary Clinton's supporters. I think they're just average normal folks, but Trump's supporters you know, she called them the basket of deplorables, and, and she's not too far from the truth. Uh, some of the worst aspects and elements of American culture are lining up in support of Trump. Uh, your, your white supremacists, for God's sake, are supporting him. So that's what breaks the tie for me. Anyway, let's get, let's get off of that. Let's get back into marijuana. Let's talk about this Prop 64 that's on the ballot in California, because as you know, I went and... Uh, did an, uh, a debate about this in Sacramento last week on Wednesday. That was followed up by uh, a bunch of the people uh, from that debate who hate my guts now, uh, following up on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and making death threats and threats of assault and threats of rape and sexual assaults and <laughs> calling me all sorts of names and making all sorts of meme pictures that uh, paint me in an unflattering light. So, it's been quite interesting. It's been quite interesting, I tell you, uh, dealing with all that. And then last night, uh, this percolated into a debate with, uh, or a debate or a, a discussion or a flame war with Be Real from Cypress Hill, uh, which I have apologized for. It went a little too, too far off the rails. I want to try to keep things civil. So I've been doing a lot of this uh, research on Prop 64, and I've been diligently listening to the objections being raised by the pot-smoking opponents of this measure. I'm not dismissing them out of hand. I'm taking their allegations seriously, taking their claims and predictions seriously, and trying to find out if there's any sort of factual basis, any sort of reality behind these claims. And in most cases, all I'm getting are fright and scares and warnings and predictions without any sort of backing or, or any sort of uh, 
relevant citation of history or stats or the text of Prop 64 that's going to make their awful predictions come true. So let's take a look at some of these. And and if you want to get the full version of this, uh, it is my radical rant column for High Times this week. It's in two parts. So the first part, first five myths appear in today's article. The next five will appear on Friday's article. And I have extensively hyperlinked this thing and footnoted this thing to provide the exact text within Prop 64 or other locations that back up my point. So let's take a look. First of all, medical marijuana, what they've got in California now, ain't legal marijuana. Let's get that out of the way. Medical marijuana ain't legal. This misunderstanding is at the crux of many of these complaints about Prop 64. They begin with the assumption that what's going on in California right now is okay, is just fine, everything's perfectly legal. But understand that Prop 64 is going to legalize the possession and sharing of one ounce of marijuana by adults and eight grams of concentrate. It's going to legalize the home cultivation of six cannabis plants indoors, which no jurisdiction can completely prohibit, and the home possession of all the marijuana harvested from those plants. Prop 64 will legalize licensing of buildings and festivals where adults may consume marijuana. Prop 64 will legalize the cultivation, processing, and retailing of marijuana to adults. And folks, none of those activities are currently legal in the state of California. None of them. Prop 64 is also going to allow for retroactive resentencing and expungement for persons convicted of marijuana felonies or misdemeanors that are reduced or legalized by Prop 64. So why would any pot smoker in their right mind decide to vote with the police, prosecutors, prison guards, and other prohibition profiteers to reject marijuana legalization in California for the second time in six years. That's what prompted me to take a look at some of their excuses for enabling prohibition to continue in California. So let's start with the big one. The big myth that Prop 64 isn't necessary because it's already legal now under Prop 215. Folks, that's a myth. The fact is, even with medical marijuana, Marijuana is still contraband. It's still illegal. Prop 215, the Compassionate Use Act, the medical marijuana law in California, doesn't remove a single criminal penalty for the possession or cultivation of marijuana. All it does is provides an immunity to prosecution on the charges of possession or cultivation of marijuana. Now, what's the difference, right? Well, the difference is that under Prop 215, marijuana is still illegal. And because it is still illegal, the evidence of marijuana is reason enough for cops to detain you, search you, search your belongings, and seize your marijuana. And recommendation or not, you can still be ticketed, fined, and or arrested. If you have your doctor's recommendation, you can then present it in court as a defense to the charges filed against you. That's after you're already going to court, after you've already been through the search, after you've already possibly been arrested and had to bail out. But Prop 64 makes marijuana legal. 
legal, not decrimmed, not medical, legal. And that means most of the ways cops are allowed to hassle you over weed disappear. The sight of stems and roach in an ashtray. The, the cop claiming he can smell marijuana. The anonymous tip that you're growing some cannabis. Even the drug dog alerting on your car's trunk are no longer valid reasons for the police to detain you. This reliance on medical marijuana, on Prop 215, is troublesome because not everybody is going to get their medical marijuana recommendation. So what about the poor schmuck who's caught with some weed or even worse, growing some cannabis, who doesn't have the recommendation? Well, still subject to tickets and misdemeanors and felonies and fines and jail time and a criminal record just because he didn't get around to getting his doctor's note. And for the people opposing Prop 64 to say, oh, we don't need legalization, just go get your medical rack, just gives more power to our opponents throughout the rest of the country who continue to say that medical marijuana is just a joke, medical marijuana is just a scheme to be able to uh, get legalization through the back door. These kind of shenanigans going on in California are why every other medical marijuana state has had to have increasingly more strict laws and condition lists because their legislators keep saying, well, we're not going to be like California. This is bullshit. It's like Cypress Hill concert in here. All right. Well, that sound means that it's 420 here in the Pacific time zone. Time for us to take our union mandated safety meeting. Been feeling kind of dangerous these past couple of days. I could really use a safety meeting. We'll be back with more Prop 64 myths and your calls at 650-LEGAL-MJ right after this. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. The cannabis industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. Not enough money for schools. Since we made marijuana legal, our schools are better and our kids have more opportunities. Crowded courts mean police cannot protect our streets. The great thing is that here in Colorado, law enforcement is able to focus on the number one priority for all of us, which is preventing violent crime. Never enough money. 
Since the passage of Amendment 64, I've seen an increase in resources for our schools. It's your turn to regulate marijuana. You're not high. You're listening to The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. What would you do if you were elected about Aleppo? About Aleppo. And what is Aleppo? Okay, maybe you're high too. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at herbiesheadshop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at herbiesheadshop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. I have a package here for Radical Rick. Is there a Radical Rick here? How about a Rick Russ? Any any Rick Russ? Somebody named Freddie Barack has sent him a package. Anybody? What is that? Sounds like a stump. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sorry for the delay there. Having some problems with my joint rolling machine. Don't know what's going on there. But welcome back. We are discussing, of course, Marijuana Election Night 2016. And a quick reminder, uh, all the interviews that I've been doing of candidates and spokespeople for the various campaigns are stored up on my SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash Radical Russ. If you do a search for MJ Election Night all one word, MJ election night, you should be able to find all of the, uh, all of the arguments or all of the uh, interviews, I should say that I have uh, recorded. So check that out. Soundcloud.com slash radical Russ. And remember I'm radical Russ everywhere. So YouTube, Pinterest, SoundCloud, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. If you want to find me, I'm radical Russ. We're continuing our look at Prop 64 and some of the myths that are being promulgated uh, to scare people, pot smokers, into voting against it. And the biggest one, I'd say, is this myth that Prop 64 kills off medical marijuana. Folks, it just ain't true. In fact, Prop 64 protects and strengthens medical marijuana in California. The Pot-smoking opponents of this legalization initiative swear that it's going to bring an end to medical marijuana in California, but when I ask, they cannot point to the text in Prop 64 where that repeal happens. The only thing they can point to is Section 10 of Prop 64, the amendments section, that allows legislative changes by majority vote to portions of Prop 64. They're hanging their hat on this as how the legislature is going to come in and decimate medical marijuana because they only need a majority vote. The problem is the section they're referring to, section 10, only gives that majority power, that simple majority power, to the new medical marijuana additions within Prop 64. The, the parts that concern the new MACURSA marijuana regulations, the commercial side of things. 
They don't apply to the text of Prop 215 itself that protects a patient's possession and cultivation rights for medical use. It can't. It can't repeal 215, and it doesn't. The other thing that can be, other things that can be uh, changed by the legislature with a simple majority concern modifications to the non-medical regulations. So again, some of the licensing and, and recreational market stuff. They can modify the tax rates by majority vote, but they can't do that until after 2028. So those tax rates are locked in. And by majority vote, they can reduce but not increase any of the penalties. So if they want to take something from a $500 fine to a $100 fine, they can do that, simple majority. They want to take something that's an infraction and make it legal, simple majority. Or if they wanted to increase our limits, like increase the limit from an ounce to two ounces or six plants, 12 plants, they could do that because that's technically reducing a penalty for a greater amount. So those are the kind of things they could adjust, they could vote on, and a simple majority vote would change it. Anything else that the legislature wants to change or modify is going to require a two-thirds majority. And it has to comport with Prop 64's purposes and intents to tax and regulate non-medical marijuana and to allow personal possession and cultivation rights. Some people are trying to claim that Prop 64 is going to give us these rights to grow and possess, and then the legislature is just going to turn around and repeal that. They're just going to get rid of that. Well, they can't. The purposes and intents of 64 say that it is to allow people to cultivate and possess and use marijuana. So if you make a law that makes that impossible, you violated the purposes and intents. And it being a citizen's initiative, the legislature can't do that. Now, Prop 64 also explicitly protects and enhances Prop 215 in a number of ways. It includes child custody protection for patients, a $100 cap on state registry ID cards, including free cards for the medically indigent. It establishes medical records privacy, kind of like HIPAA for your medical marijuana records. And Prop 64 explicitly guarantees that the new limits, regulations, and licensing that are applied to non-medical marijuana do not apply to Prop 215 patients. So when they're trying to say, oh, well, I can grow 99 plants and Prop 215 is going to limit me to six. No, the limit of six is for non-medical cultivation and shall not be used to infer, amend, or change your Prop 215 growing rights. See, what's happening is that most of the people angry at Prop 64, what they're complaining about is the elimination of their collectives and cooperatives, their dispensaries, the model that they've been using in their quasi-legal medical dispensary system. But this is a case of misfocused rage because Prop 64 doesn't eliminate the collectives and cultivation or cooperatives. The Medical Cannabis Regulation and Safety Act, the McCursa law that was signed last year does that. Prop 64 doesn't affect that. That's already been affected. Now, this leads to another myth. When you tell them this part, they'll say, ah, aha, but Prop 64 locks in McCursa, so it can't be overturned. 
Well, this is kind of a, a Hail Mary pass on their, uh, on their side because the fact is the MACURSA law, the, the Medical Cannabis Regulation and Safety Act that was signed last year, is the law now. It is the law, and it is compatible with Prop 215, so there's no way to overturn it. This, this fantasy that you're going to get it overturned is just that. The theory here, this is the, this is the way they're operating theory, is that MACURSA was passed by the legislator. So it's a legislative statute. Prop 215 was an initiative passed by the people. And under California's constitution, only the people can modify a citizen initiative. The legislature can't, unless the initiative says they can. So the theory here is that any day now, somebody's going to file a lawsuit that claims the new MACURSA laws violate the intent of Prop 215, the citizen initiative. And the courts will agree, the legislature overstepped their bound and, and violated 215. So then the courts will render MACURSA invalid. And then that will bring California back to the early days of unregulated Wild West style medical marijuana collectives that are still banned throughout many parts of the state. But, they say, if we pass Prop 64... Since it's a citizen initiative, that's going to elevate Mercursa from the ranks of legislative initiative, or legislative statute to citizen initiative. And that'll be something the courts can't find incompatible with Prop 215. You got that? I mean, seriously, this is, this is why they want you to reject legalization. Is be, for, for at least another four years, folks, let's be realistic. They want to reject legalization for at least another four years. On this theory that a lawsuit might be filed that might win and might overturn recent laws, so we might go back to the exact lack of regulation that started this mess in the first place. Here's, here's the problem with this reasoning. They're pinning their hopes on a misunderstanding. There was a case in California called People v. Kelly, the California Supreme Court, that determined that all Prop 215 does is protects the rights of patients to personally possess and cultivate marijuana and infers a right to transport it. And the problem in People v. Kelly was Senate Bill 420, which was written to try to bring some regulation to the statewide kind of dispensaries that it's set up, also established an artificial limit. It said that you could have up to eight ounces of marijuana and I don't remember, was it six cannabis plants? I can't remember exactly, but it set up some limits. And the Supreme Court in People v. Kelly found that you couldn't do that. Uh, SB 420 couldn't do that because that was setting a limit on how much medicine you could use. And Prop 215 doesn't have a limit and says any amount that your doctor says is medically necessary. That was a conflict. And so that uh, that limit could not stand. And in deciding that, the, the court established that all Prop 215 is doing is giving you this right to possess and cultivate. Nothing in Prop 215 set up any sort of commercial regulations. These collectives that they are upset about losing were established by Senate Bill 420 and now have been superseded by MACURSA. And they all have and that all has to do with the commercial medical market. So MACURSA can't violate Prop 215 no matter whether Prop 64 passes or not, because MACURSA doesn't infringe on those essential possession and cultivation rights in Prop 215. 
And it doesn't set any fixed personal limits for medical consumers that have been unapproved by the voters. All McCursa does is regulate the commercial market that it replaced in SB 420. There's nothing for it to conflict with with 215. McCursa's here to stay whether we pass Prop 64 or not. So trying to pin your hopes on whether or not a lawsuit might rescue you and might get rid of a a law you don't like is pretty thin ice to be standing on when we're talking about 8,800 felony arrests a year in California. When we're talking about people that are still sitting in prison right now for their marijuana crimes who could be set free if Prop 64 passes. We're talking about telling those people, sorry, you've got to remain criminals. You've got to stay in prison because we don't like the taxes. Maybe you could do that, but I sure could. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. It's time to Hemp Resent. I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community. Radio resident Hempo Sapien Vivian McPeak. I will be putting out a call to action on the issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular. Marijuana! Hemp Resents, only on Cannabis Radio. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. Day. Just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Continuing our look at the most popular myths being promulgated by pot-smoking opponents of California's Prop 64 legalization initiative. 
was in a big uh, discussion with Be Real from Cypress Hill, who's come out against Prop 64. And one of the major reasons he gave was that it creates a monopoly. I hear this a lot in various incarnations. It's going to be a monopoly. It's a giveaway to the 1%. It's, it's a market capture for the elite. It's Monsanto, Big Pharma, whoever else that's behind this that wants to create a huge monopoly and kill off small businesses. Well, that's just a myth. The fact is that within Prop 64, there are strong anti-monopoly protections And it favors the existing small businesses. So if you're going to object to Prop 64, I, I, I get that. We're not always going to agree. But while you may be entitled to your own opinion, you are not entitled to your own facts. And these are the facts. When, when, when these people, it's funny because a lot of it to me, a lot of what I hear and read in this opposition is anger at the misallocation of wealth, the the income gap between rich and poor, the political influence of the one percent versus the ninety nine percent, the the worst uh, aspects of predatory capitalism, etc. And these, to me, are problems that are endemic of everything in America. And I wonder why is it that cannabis is supposed to solve these things, like? The problem I'm trying to solve is keeping people's ass out of jail, keeping people from being harassed by cops over marijuana. I'm not trying to solve racism. I'm not trying to solve income inequality. (laughs) Those aren't the goals of legalization. Now, legalizing may then lead to an industry that then can address those problems, but it can't until it exists. It can't until it's legal. A lot of this, I, I feel, is just some of that conspiracy theory, kind of Illuminati tinfoil hat kind of stuff. Especially when I read stuff like, oh, you know, George Soros. George Soros is funding this uh, because he's, uh, he's got stock in Monsanto, and, and, and Monsanto wants to take over the cannabis plant, right? George Soros, the big evil George Soros. Which is weird, considering that they're defending Prop 215, And George Soros was the guy who ponied up the money necessary to rescue Prop 215 from the brink of electoral failure in 1996. 20 20 years ago, he didn't seem to be so evil, huh? And the other thing that's weird is that some of these people that are objecting to Prop 64 favored other ballot initiatives, the uh, CCHI, California Cannabis Hemp Initiative, the Jack Herrer Initiative, or MCLR, the Marijuana Control Legalization and Regulation Initiative, neither of them made the ballot. Neither of them ever make the ballot. They don't even gather half the signatures they need. But what's weird is that if you look at those two initiatives, they have far fewer protections against corporations dominating the weed market that Prop 64 has. And and in those two initiatives... They trust the legislature to set up the fair and equitable licensing procedures. The same legislature they say is going to be evil when it comes to distributing the taxes or regulating uh, medical marijuana or any of these other things. They're, They're this evil, untrustable body in Prop 64. But in CCHI and MCLR, hey, yeah, go ahead, make up all the regulations you want for the market. So that's a little disingenuous to me.
Now, let's talk about how Prop 64 encourages small businesses. The, the fear here is, oh, it's going to be big business, mega market, you know, Walmart of weed, right? Well, the first benefit for small businesses begins with the licensing. In Prop 64, it specifies that priority in licensing will first go to the existing medical marijuana businesses until 2020. Now, they're going to start the licensing in 2018. By 2021, we'll have some of these, uh, uh, the licenses will be opened up for everybody. So there's a three-year head start for all the existing small businesses, the existing small growers, the small uh, uh, retailers, the small processors, to get their piece of the recreational pie before any of the big players get involved. And within Prop 64, as they're giving those licenses out, the regulators that give those licenses have the discretion to deny licenses if they lead to unfair competition or monopolistic practices. There's no such protection in CCHI or MCLR like that. Prop 64 also removes a requirement that distributors have to be independent. So there's more opportunities for small business. And Prop 64 allows for vertical integration. That means you can have any of the licenses or all of them except tester. If you're a tester, you can only be a tester, which kind of makes sense. But if you want to be your own grower, your own processor, your own retailer, you can do that. And you can do that through what they're adding as a micro business license. And the micro business license is perfect for the small grower, wants to grow boutique buds, process them himself, and then sell them. That will be available. That kind of micro business, that doesn't exist in CCHI or MCLR. And Prop 64 has a residency requirement that lasts through 2019. So we can't have the big out-of-state carpetbaggers immediately jumping into the market. And it removes restrictions against licensing folks who have gotten previous marijuana or some drug felonies. Right now, there's prohibitions against drug felons getting licensed. And of course, Prop 64 has a moratorium on the grows larger than an acre the mega grows until after 2020. So we've got all of these head starts and bonuses and benefits in Prop 64 for the small business, for the existing small business, and for new micro businesses that will be developing. That's not to say there's not going to be a, a big, a place for big marijuana, a place for big corporate players, but folks, it's going to be like beer. There's, there's Budweiser, there's Miller, there's Coors. You can drink that shit if you want to. I don't, but you can. And, and, and plenty of people do. They sell plenty of that stuff all around the country. But that hasn't stopped a thriving craft brew industry from taking shape. Right across the street here in Portland, I can walk into a place called Growler Guys, get me a half-gallon growler from a choice of 40 different taps that have all local Pacific Northwest beers and ciders. They're doing great. You can't get any Budweiser there. Can't get any Miller there. Can't get any Coors there. So, so I'm not worried about this, this big marijuana, this big corporate marijuana that everyone's talking about because this idea that these corporations that are trying to make money, trying to make a profit, are going to come in and mass produce shitty, swaggy weed and expect to survive in the marketplace when they're going to have to be competing against not only people's own home grows and the existing medical marijuana system, 
but also all these other newly licensed people that are going to be competing with them. Competition's only going to make the weed better, not worse. Now, another consideration, another problem some of the people have with Prop 64 is the taxes. That taxing medicine is immoral and it's going to inflate the marijuana prices. We're going to have $500 ounces. Folks, it's just not true. Legal marijuana states right now have marijuana that's priced far lower than California medical marijuana is, even with the taxes added in. I mean, these Prop 64 people, the the, the opponents of it, are are lamenting that it's got this 15% excise tax and a $9.25 per ounce cultivation tax. And everybody's got to pay it, even the medical marijuana patients. And on this point, I will agree that it is immoral. It is wrong for governments to balance budgets by taxing people's medicine. I'd take it further. I think it's wrong for governments or companies to profit in any way from the suffering of human beings. But that's my single-payer health care rant. We'll save that for later. So, yeah, it's wrong to add this tax to medical marijuana purchases. But as a practical matter, it's even more immoral to maintain the prohibition that creates the risk tax on medicine that inflates it just as bad as a pharmaceutical corporation's markup on cheap pills. Marijuana's marked up to the levels that even pharma bro Martin Shkreli would have to uh, look twice at. For example, in Washington State, Washington State has the worst marijuana legalization in effect today. The worst. Everyone agrees. The consumers have no home grow rights, so there's no competition for the market. The statewide production canopy is artificially capped, so the amount that can be produced doesn't necessarily match what the market wants. And the excise tax there isn't no 30 isn't no 15%, it's 37%. 37% excise tax plus in Vancouver it's uh, 8.7% state and local taxes throughout the rest of uh Washington, it's at least of seven or so. So we get taxes in, in, in Washington that can approach 45% once you add in the local taxes. And the retail price for marijuana there is around $9 per gram, tax included. And that's down from the previous high of $25 a gram in the recreational side and around $12 a gram in the medical side. The price of weed has gone nothing but down and the, the regulators estimate it's going to keep going down about 25% every year for the next couple of years. In Colorado, the data coming out of there shows that they are down below $7 per gram average, $6.67 per gram average. And during 420, they had specials that were in the $5 a gram range. This is all down from Colorado starting at about $8.80 a gram. Here in Oregon, we're experiencing a similar dramatic drop in price. Legalization, you see, increases supply, increases competition, reduces difficulty in production, and reduces the risk of getting caught. According to a study by Rand Corporation back in 2010, the legal production cost of a pound of weed is less than what they're charging for an ounce in a California dispensary. The legal production cost of weed, 
could be down to as low as 15 bucks an ounce. So, yeah, if we take the current $300 eighth or $300 ounce in medical California and you throw another $9.25 on top of that and then you multiply the whole thing by another 15%, then, then yes, the ounce becomes $355.64 and that's 18.5% more expensive in the short run. But that's assuming the ounce stays at 300 bucks. As competition and increased production drop the ounce down to 200 bucks, the added taxes bring the ounce up to 240. That's 19, that's about 20% less than the untaxed medical marijuana $300 ounce in the long run. And and 200 an ounce, that's a high estimate. That Rand report says legalization could make $100 to $150 ounces realistic and could theoretically drop the price as low as $38 an ounce. Legalization lowers prices. Lower prices are better for patients. Uh, We're back to close things up right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants, healthy people. SansalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle naturally. When I was in the Marines and I did fracture both my tibia and fibia, they they gave me multiple painkillers, Oxycontins, Percocets, Hydrocodone, painkillers, painkillers. You're addicted. You know you're addicted. The pride that I took being a Marine was gone. With marijuana, I felt like not only can I treat myself and treat the pain, but I can also live. Dealing through the VA, it is never talked about. It was never an option. Why do I have to live in pain? You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment. Okay, maybe you're high too. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. 
All right, welcome back, everybody. As we close up shop here, just a couple of thoughts. Uh, first of all, on the tax thing that we uh, just talked about, the uh, the thing about taxing the medical marijuana patients in California, I agree that it's immoral to tax them. But here's the practical problem. California's medical marijuana law is so lax, anybody can get a recommendation. All you got to do is lie to a doctor about your arrest anxiety syndrome or your want to shop at a pot shop-itis, uh, whatever mystery malady you might have, and you get your card, right? So if we set up Prop 64 to have this 15% tax plus $9.25 an ounce, but we only charge it to the rec people, Who's going to remain as a rec person? Who's not going to go get their recommendation to get their tax break? And if enough people did that to avoid paying the taxes, then Prop 64 doesn't bring any tax revenue, doesn't bring enough money to pay for itself. And then people say, oh, legalization's a failure. Didn't work. You promised all this tax money and didn't come in. So to me, it seems... That if you want the patients to be exempt from the taxes, you're going to have to have a more strict guideline as to who can get a recommendation. Because the general public, they're probably cool with the idea that the cancer patient or the AIDS patient shouldn't have to pay taxes on weed. But when they see the 20-year-old skateboard kid who's got anxiety and he's moshing at the Cottonmouth Kings concert, I think they want him paying taxes. I don't think they think he should get a medical deduction on his taxes for that. And I know this pisses people off when I say this kind of stuff, but our perspective on on what is or is not medical is the minority perspective. The majority of the voters out there, when they think of medical marijuana, they're thinking of seriously sick and injured people using cannabis as medicine. They're not thinking of just, you know, I use it for wellness. It helps my anxiety. I go to sleep better. Even though I'll agree, those are perfectly valid medical reasons. But again, it's not what we think. It's what is the perception? What is the framing? How does this appear? So if you ask me, the 15% tax that patients have to pay in California, that's the surcharge for the ease with which you can get a recommendation. In almost every other state, you've got to collect medical records for the past three years. You've got to go to a real doctor and have a real exam You've got to pay the state a whole bunch of money for a card. California patients aren't paying that expense. They pay 30 bucks at the dock in the box and boom, they're done. And again, I'm going to get some hate mail on this, but I think in the long run, you're going to see far cheaper weed through legalization than you will through medical marijuana. And this leads me to a note I just got in email. Apparently there's this event going on. Uh, being put on by a lot of the Jack Herrer Initiative people. And it's going to feature uh, Dennis Perone and uh, who else is going to be there? John Entwistle, two of the 215 authors uh, in Santa Cruz. And they're going to have a kind of a, a teach-in to defeat Prop 64. Why it's bad for medical cannabis patients and recreational users. And it's uh, Buddy Doozy will be there. He is the uh, one of the proponents of the uh, CCHI. And, of course, he says this is designed to uh, uh, destroy Prop 215 and allow large corporations to take over the medical cannabis industry. And it's just terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. And Michael Jolson from CCHI says, quote, 
The Adult Use of Marijuana Act, now known as Proposition 64, was force-fed to us by the billionaires who authored it and without input from the larger cannabis reform community. Man, they didn't ask us. 2018 is just around the corner, and we shouldn't rush to legalize the recreational use of cannabis at the expense of medical cannabis patient rights. Instead, we should enact legislation that simultaneously protects Prop 215 and entirely ends the prohibition of the cannabis hemp plant. End quote. Sure. I'm with you there. That's a great idea. So um, how do we do that? I imagine we have to get an initiative on the ballot, don't we? And to get an initiative on the ballot, we have to have some money, don't we? And who's got that money? Because I know CCHI doesn't have it. I know they couldn't get it in 2016 or 2014 or 2012 or 2008 or 2006 or 2004 or 2002 or 2000 or any of the years they've tried to run the damn thing. Never come close. What is going to change after California loses its second straight mainstream conservative legalization initiative? After a second straight loss in a presidential election year, what's going to change in the non-presidential election year of 2018? That's going to make a ton of money flow to CCHI, get it on the ballot, and then get it passed. That's my biggest problem with the Prop 64 haters is if you had a better plan, maybe we could wait for it. But I see no evidence you have any shot in hell of making any lasting change. That's all the time we got for today. Thanks for joining us. I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth.